All right, Pentecost, Sunday. You can't go anywhere else but Acts chapter 2. So if you want to turn with me there, if you have your Bibles, if you took this chapter out of the Bible and you just went from the Gospels to the book of Acts, you'd go, what in the world? How? We? What? The book of Acts is unexplainable without chapter 2, without understanding the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised, talked about, said it's important for me to leave you so that I can come back to you in through the Holy Spirit. And so Christ is exalted. They see him ascending away from the earth, and then they wait. They wait for 10 days and seek God. You know, rarely in my Christian life and in my experience as a leader have I seen the Holy Spirit fall on people that really didn't want him to fall on them. I'm not going to say never. I've heard of people that were kind of resistive and worried about spiritual gifts wake up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues. Okay, there is that. God, you know, can do it however he wants to do it. Uh, But usually, God's not going to do anything that you don't want him to do, that you're not seeking him to do, that you're not hungry. If you're contented, he'll leave you contented. But if you want more, there's more. And Acts is the promise of that. It's the it's the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. It's really the, the birthing of the church. It's the, the, the gathering of the believers empowered by his spirit. And so we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. So follow with me as we talk about the Pentecostal promise in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Now they could have gone fishing not been there. Guess what? They'd have missed it. I'm not saying that on a a guilt to anybody, but I was just talking to people visiting from up north, and they're part of an online church. That's all it is. Now, I get it. We got people that we're church for them. They watch online. Uh, If they lived here, they'd be here. Uh, But let me tell you something. There's something about finding a place to be with God's people. It's never going to be a perfect place, we laid hands on a couple in the first service that had been part of us for years, serving, generous, giving, kind, and, and God's moving them. And so we just play, prayed for them to find a place, a people that they could meet with. And no, there's no perfect place. If there is and you showed up, you ruined it. So there is, a, did you miss that? Okay, yeah. That means you're a little strange, and that's okay. We all are. When you embrace that, you'll realize what other people have been dealing with for years around you. You know, they say in every small group, there's someone that really needs extra grace in that group. And if you can't figure out who that person is in your group, it's you. (laughs) I couldn't think of anybody that's special in our group that needs extra grace and challenges me to really learn to be patient and kind and loving. It's you. So that's okay. That's your mission. You teach people how much they need Jesus in their life. And so that's a challenging mission to be if you're a challenging person. But Jesus made a promise that if you weren't at the place with the people, you're going to miss it. And so there's a sense of corporateness of coming together. This is something that happens to individuals, but this is a, this is a body promise. This is, this is for his church his bride, his family. This isn't just an isolated, whoopee, I got this, you know, this, you know, exotic experience in the spirit. That's fine. 
This is for his army, his people, his family. This is God saying, we got a mission, we got a job to do, and we, you can't do it without my presence and power. So they were all together in one place. They'd been praying. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them. 120, they estimate. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let me just stop for a second. And, and not to relive trauma, uh, but, you know, you, you know, you know, the Lord gave me a clear word this week. And I, I had a sense of it. I even preached on it right after Ian. And I, and I because there are people talks about, you know, acts of God. Ian was an act of God. No, it wasn't. It was a demonic storm. Let me help you with your theology. God doesn't send storms to kill people. If that's your theology, reread the Bible. Read the New Testament. I'm not saying ultimately God, yes, is in charge like the book of Job. The storm that came and killed his children came from hell. It wasn't an act of God. He thought it was. That's part of his challenge. He believed the lie. God's not saying, no, let me send a storm that's going to drown people. This will be fun. If that's your concept of God, read about the cross again. Read about the heart of God for God so loved the world that he sent a storm to destroy and kill people. No, he sent his son to die. So there's demonic storm. I'm not saying every storm or every hurricane is demonic. But there are times, and that was one, and why it targeted us, I'm not 100% certain. I have some inklings. I kind of feel God has a special place for this area in his heart. I just do. I grew up hating Cape Coral. I lived in Fort Myers. And I have friends today who won't come to Cape Coral unless they have to. Just have an attitude about it. And I grew up, and when I grew up, no one bragged about, yeah, I, went, I live in Cape Coral. They were like, I live in Cape Coral. It was Cape Coma back then. It was, now Cape Coral's blown up, but, but it, Cape Coral started as a scam. A scam, scoundrels. My dad worked for them long enough that he said, these are a bunch of thieves, and he quit. They were just scamming people, but it's blown up. When you come down to, here's a trivia question. When you're driving south on I-75, how many times does it say, Cape Coral, so many miles away? How many times? Let me see a hand. Take a guess, Zach. No, not zero. One, one time. How many times? No, it's not two, it's one. You can correct me on that, and I could be wrong, but don't fact check me in church. That's always against the rules. It ruins a good sermon and a good point. But in my memory, and you can concur, I've, and I've paid attention to it. Naples, two, three, four times. What's up with that? Who wants to live in Naples? Come on, rich people. So, Fort Myers, two, three times. What's up with that? We're bigger. We're twice the size. We're blown up Fort Myers. But we don't have the Edison home. So anyway, so there's, I think there's a sense God has something special for Cape Coral. I just do. I, you know, I, I've, I've felt that not because of the storm. I felt that for years. It's a city of no, no honor, has been. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit's going to do something in this city. And he is not that he's not doing something now. There's some significant churches. We prayed for one this morning, Christian Life Fellowship. 
tremendous church on fire for the kingdom of God. There's some great church. I just think the enemy, there's something about this area he doesn't like. Now, I don't, I don't get into all that, mysteries. All I'm going to say is there's a different kind of storm we're talking about here. It's a, an appearance of God. This is a theophany. This is a God said, I'm coming down. And I, my storm, it brings joy, healing, peace, deliverance, salvation, strength, encouragement. That's the winds we need to hear blowing. Amen? We need to hear that wind, not got our ears focused on the fear wind, the wind of destruction. Yes, that's there. And even in our culture, there are, there are, there are evil storms that are blowing. And you can focus on that. Or you can come to the God that does this at Pentecost. He did it once because he's opening the floodgates. We may not see tongues of fire and we may not hear. But what the Holy Spirit started in the book of Acts, as you'll see later, he will continue until Christ returns. And it's not that they needed the Spirit more then than we do now. We probably, I could argue, we need it more now than they did then. But whatever, it's, 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 a, it's like saying, well, it was hard growing up. No, I could honestly say it was hard growing up for me as a teenager, but I look at our teens today, what they're facing. I mean, they have what we faced plus, plus. There's eighth graders dealing with stuff I didn't know what it meant in high school. It's, it's, a, it's a war zone. And without this power, it's all we got. I'm not talking about goosebumps and a hallelujah. That's fine. It's deeper than that, and you'll see that as we go through this. So this wind of God, this breath from heaven, it's blowing on the people of God, and they're speaking in languages they've never learned, and people are hearing them. There's a whole bunch of countries that are represented here from Jewish people that have come back to Jerusalem, whether they live there or they're just visiting for celebrating Pentecost, but there were like 17 different nations that are mentioned here. And this is God breathing, and it says in verse 5, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, it's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but all that the, the, the author Luke knew of was represented. God's like, this is, this is my time, because God's about the nations, and you'll see that in a minute. It says, verse 6, when they heard the sound and the crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Can you imagine if I was preaching up here and all of a sudden, yes, and actually some of you are hearing me in Spanish right now. It's a miracle. Because <laughs> there's somebody in that room. I believe it's Paul today. Normally it's Jose and Josie. You guys are taking a day off. And they're translating this message into another language that I wish I spoke. And I've tried to learn it. And it's really hard. It just is. I never feel for someone that struggles to learn English because it, it, I know how hard it is to try to learn another language. I have mercy. I've never met a Spanish person that lives in America that doesn't want to speak English. Never met one. Never met one that says, I don't want to learn. I don't even want to try. No, it's just hard, especially when you're older. Young kids pick it up so quick. It's just not fair. But so these guys are preaching and the people are hearing them in their own, without a translator, without a headset, 
This is a miracle that's going on. God is communicating his word without boundaries of the language. In some ways, it's the reverse of the Tower of Babel, where all the languages were dispersed and people were divided. This is God in the unity of the gospel. They're hearing it, and it's blowing people. They were amazed, verse 7. They were utterly amazed, and they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? And that's kind of slang for they lived in Cape Coral. You didn't brag about, yeah, I'm from Galilee. That's not the intellectual crowd. Galilee, they're fishermen. They're just common folk. Aren't these Galileans? It's like, yeah, Galileans. Who are they? They don't know anything, but they're speaking in all these different languages. Verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And then it goes on and mentions all the different countries, and I don't want to try to butcher them, and and you can read them. Verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, some think they were just, they were chanting or singing or praising and, and, and preaching. And it's just this, it's just this encounter that, that what's going on? It's no longer church is just, you know, God's here. So, but they don't get it. They don't understand it. And, and they need explanation. And, and then when you don't understand something, the devil will always fill in the blanks. And so the devil fills it in in verse uh, uh, 13. Some of them made fun said, they've had too much. They're drunk. It's nine in the morning, Peter's about to say. He's like, no, no, it's nine in the morning. That's the best they could come up with. These are idiots. This is, this is stupid. This is foolishness, but it's powerful. God is present. The mind is offended. Oftentimes, God will do spiritual things in ways that the mind goes, what? Huh? How? Yeah, what? That's not right. You know, faith often is not rational. It's not that it's irrational. It's above. Sometimes faith calls you to do things that don't make sense to people that don't understand what it is to have faith. And in this sense, I, you know, the, my biggest, one of my biggest desires as a as pastor, my wife, is not to have an explainable church. I don't want an explainable church. I don't want one that says, okay, we do this, we do this, we do this, and therefore we get this result. A mechanical church, a, a, a systems church. Uh, 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 and there are churches like that. They, 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 they take what they do in their church, and they go to another city, and they do the exact same thing that worked here. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong, but it's almost like this, this uh, uh, controlling of the spirit by performing and systems and personalities. And we want a church that go, people go, huh? They, they, what? God does what? How? It's like the guy that sat in our newcomers class. I don't know that he's ever been back. If he has and you're here, let me know. But he was sitting there and you know, we, we take a part in there where we talk about the budget of the church and how we handle finances and blah, blah. And then I let people ask questions. He raised his hand. He said, how did you pay for that food truck? I said, we paid for it with donations. He said, and I, I thought, that's not, that's not real complicated. That's not brain surgery. People gave the money. We bought the truck. How did you pay for that food truck? Was it out of the budget? I said, no, we didn't touch the church budget. People gave the money 
and we paid cash for the truck. Three times he asked me. I mean, I wish I'd had the presence of mind to say, what is it that you're worried about here? Did you give any money to it? If you had, you wouldn't have been asking questions. I didn't say that. Those are the things that go through your mind, and that's what gets you in trouble, and you have to answer mean. Anyway, I don't want, I can't explain the good things that God did to us after Ian. I can't explain how this church prospered during COVID. We prospered. Had one of our best financial years. Saw people come to Jesus because we kept going. We kept going. We fed the poor. We just did what the Holy Spirit likes to do. And we just followed him. So these people are like, what's going on? Well, Peter, remember, get the context. It wasn't months earlier where Peter is watching his Lord be beaten, spit on, and he's from a distance by a fire while Jesus is naked, cold, and a little servant girl, a little teenager says, aren't you one of his? He says, what? No, no. She asked him again. No, third time. He says, I don't even know the guy. And then the rooster crowed, as Jesus said it would. And he broke and wept, and he denied the Lord. Uh, you can't get a worse sin. So if you ever wonder, maybe I've gone too far, check out Peter. Because God restored him who denied knowing Jesus three times. That's why Jesus asked him three times, do you love me, Peter, at the end of the Gospel of John. So remember, here's coward Peter. Now, he was a tough guy in the physical. But tough guys in the physical, when the Holy Spirit, I'll never forget, we were in one meeting, and we had some our, our emerging leaders, and we were introducing the Holy Spirit, and we were praying over people. And I watched one of them that could whip most guys because he's an MMA fighter, and he's, you know, he's against the wall, and he's got his wife in front of him like she's a human shield. He's in the corner like, don't let the Spirit get by me. I'm not sure. I don't know. Get her. Touch, get her. I mean, it's just, some of you in here right now, you're, that's you. The Holy Spirit, that's for the weirdos. That's, well, that's for the emotionals. I'm an intellectual. I'm an, I'm a, listen to me. You better be someone that says, Lord, I want all you have for me. You don't want to be the one that says, I want for me what I want. No, you want what he's got. There's more. So Peter's going to, here it goes from being the wimpy, fearful, cowardly, back against the wall, telling a little teenager. Now he's going to stand up in front of thousands of people. And he says this, verse 14, then Peter stood up. Why? Because the wind of God had filled his heart, the breath of God, the gift that Jesus said, you'll be clothed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's, a, there's something more than Peter. Going, He's still Peter. The Holy Spirit filling you doesn't remove you from being you. I wish that was true. I wish when I got filled with the Spirit, I stopped being Jamie. At least the bad parts of Jamie. No, I'm still Jamie, but I'm Jamie now with a power that I didn't have before, a grace that I didn't have before, gifts that I didn't have before. Peter stands up and he says, he raises his voice. He's not mad at the mockers. He's not, he's just getting their attention. He says, fellow Jews 
And all you that live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. I love this. This is a guy that knows the answer. You shouldn't ever be in front of God's people if you don't know what you're talking about. Be honest about it. I had a young leader one time preach about caring for the poor, and man, it was very convicting, very hard. He made it sound like it's just an easy net. When he got done, I challenged him. I said, I said, how do you do with caring for the poor? Is that, is that come by you naturally? Because every time I see you on a Thursday night, you're hiding from them. But you made it sound like it's an easy thing to do, and, and we all should do it. And No, it's not easy for everybody. It's challenging. They can be challenging people at times, and all different parts of life can be. And, and so don't, don't, don't make it out like, like, like you know what you're talking about. When you Just be honest. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. If you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, then don't talk about it. Just say, I don't know what I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I want to know. Peter knows. How does he know? He jumped in the water. How does he know what it feels like? Because he's swimming in the river. It's not something he heard somebody else talk about. Peter, he says this, let me tell you, this. Listen carefully to what I say. When you have someone speaking the word of God, whatever church you go to, if they're not carrying that sense of urgency, importance, I'm not saying you've got to be loud like me. I'm just loud. But you've got to be convicted. You've got to have that conviction that what I'm saying is essential. It's, it's important for your well-being. We have a compelling message. That's why we end our messages with a call to make a decision. God's presence and spirit calls us to not vote on things and not just kind of, it's not a, well, here's some things for you to think about this morning. I want you to ponder on the, no, I want, and you'll have preaching while we're gone, whatever their personality, they're going to speak with authority from the word of God and the spirit of God and listen to what they have to say because it's God speaking through his word, no matter who the vessel is. That's why I say to people, it doesn't affirm me to say, oh, we need to hear the word through Jamie. That just means you haven't learned to hear the word of God through others. That means you're immature. If someone's preaching the word of God with sincerity, you're going to get spoken to by God. If you're listening, I put it on the listener more than I do the speaker and Peter said, listen. I almost said, listen, Linda, but I guess he didn't say. That would have been a terrible thing to have said. Listen carefully to what I say. Verse 15. These men aren't drunk as you think. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what's spoken of by the prophet Joel. So Peter's not preaching his opinion. It's not his theory. It's not some feeling he got. He's, he's quoting the word of God. He's anchoring his experience in the Word of God. What's happening here was spoken about a thousand years before this. It's been promised. This is what the prophet Joel preached about. Verse 17, he's quoting right out of the book of Joel, chapter 2, Acts 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Let me just say, last days. A lot of people say, we're at the last days. We've been in the last days. Since Jesus, every generation ought to think that they are the last generation. But they also ought to think that there's another 100 generations that come after us and we've got to fight for their future. 
That's a, that's a tension. To believe in the, the, the return of Christ being imminent and believing in the message of the gospel, the kingdom, to be an ongoing battle. You know, to fight for what my wife and I are fighting for for this church is that our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will have a vineyard to come to. That's why we are passionate about young people in this church. Now, what is God's heart? You're going to get the theology of the church here in just a few verses. You'll unpack everything that God wants a church to be is Acts chapter 2, but these next few promises. This is the DNA of what the Holy Spirit's come to do. So number one, he says, it's in the last days, God's going to pour out his Spirit on all people. That, if you, when you get your Bible and you reread it, circle the word all, underline the word people. What does that do? You're going to see like this river going through, like when the, when, when the evil flood came, it wiped out all kinds of things that got in its way. When, when Ian blew through here, and we had what I've never seen in my lifetime, and I've lived through uh, every major storm since 19, uh, when Donna came through, 62 uh, uh, or 3, whatever it was. It, 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 when, when the floods come, they wash things away. When this flood comes, it washes stuff away. When God, this simple phrase, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. That wipes out nationalism. That wipes out exceptionalism. That wipes out the Jewish people thinking they're it. It wipes out Americans thinking we're it. God's washing through every nation. Do you know God loves China as much as he loves America? Do you know that? There's probably as much going on in China in the kingdom than there is in America. It's just underground. And, and I'm not saying God loves the, the horrendous godless practices of the government i'm saying chinese people and the danger is we let our politics of china get in our way of our love for the chinese people and the same you can apply to any other nation that has a wicked government and is oppressive but but god says i'm going to put my spirit on that's why this church is a committed church to be a kingdom of god church which means we'll never fly any flag above the kingdom of god's flag that was a good place to say amen. I know it's Memorial Weekend, but I'm just telling you who we are in the kingdom of God with Jesus. He's about his kingdom, and his kingdom is every tribe, nation, language. He's a kingdom of the world, not the whole world. I'm talking about the kingdom of God rules over all different types. This is wiping out any nationalistic barriers, any tribalism. Any sense that, that our group has more than their group. Second of all, he says, not only will I pour it out on all flesh, he says in verse 17, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Theology of women, boom. What do we have for him, Johnny? Equality in the kingdom. Not gender-based ministry. Well, she didn't get a male part, so she can't be a male leader. God says, men, there's not a man anointing and a woman anointing. Well, the women get the women's spirit, and the men get the men's spirit. No, there's one Holy Spirit. He says, I love to put my power on men and women equally. Build your theology of women in ministry right 
here. Start here. If you, a five-year-old could understand that. Now, there are things Paul says. They're complicated. They're cultural. They're dealing with particular church issues, division, strife. Yes, there's some, some hard digging through in the, 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 the female uh, leadership issue from that perspective. But when you start here, this is like God said, I want my daughters. Can you imagine God getting in the face of men saying, you stole from my daughter. What do you mean? You didn't let her preach. You didn't let her lead. You didn't let her minister. You didn't let her go out in the power of the Holy Spirit under the blessing of your church. You robbed my daughter. Not a good, not a good conversation to be had. God says, I'm pouring out my spirit on men, women. Then he's not only destroyed nationalism, he destroyed any gender uh, inequality. He also destroys age issues. He says, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And it doesn't mean old men can't have a vision. It doesn't mean young men can't dream dreams. He's just saying, this, this kingdom thing, there's not a little yay Holy Spirit for the little young teenagers. And then there's the older people, mature Holy Spirit. There's not a little Holy Spirit that's up in the children's ministry and a big Holy Spirit down in the main hall. Same Holy Spirit. He loves to use children, teenagers. Every move of God has been birthed in teenage, college age. It's just, it's just part of the legacy of the kingdom of God. And then he says, verse 18, not a, there's no age, there's no gender, there's no nationalism. He says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It's not really a good translation it's not, these aren't servants in the sense of they're just honoring God's servants. The, the, Joel calls them on my servants and my handmaidens. Joel is speaking and prophesying about a social caste of people. The outcast, the low class, the servant people. God says, I delight in pouring out my spirit. It's not an economic or an educational it's not a social, special club. The Holy Spirit river flows the wind. The wind blows. He's blowing down these divisions. I love to celebrate that Pentecost came to America in 19... I may get the date wrong. It's like, you can correct me uh, if you can look it up on that. No, I think it was 06. Don't Google it now. Uh, it was uh, living the mystery. I'm within a couple years, so you'll figure it out later. In 1906... There was a, a college, a Bible school, uh, somewhere in the Midwest, that uh, uh, experienced the Holy Spirit. He had been moving in Wales and in northern Scotland, and somehow it, someone brought it to the Bible school. Well, in this Bible school, it's all white except for William Seymour, who had to sit outside to listen to the lectures because he was black. They welcomed him but there's a wall, blind spots. He gets touched with the Holy Spirit, and he goes to a little church in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, started by three or four African-American women. Put William's picture up, if you will. William begins to be the leader of this church. I hope we found that we figure out how to get a picture of the whole church. Uh, this is William. This is the founder of, of the Azusa Street Revival. 
This is what brought Pentecostalism to America. This is what opened the door. The white churches didn't open the door. The intellectual churches didn't open the door. This humble, inner city church that was primarily black had a few whites in it, which was radical back then. Do we have a picture? That's the actual building. And, and the Azusa Street, do you have a picture of the congregation? Or this is part of the leadership core. You can see one old white guy with a beard. That'd be Kim and I right there. I'd be like, come on, Jesus. And that's our daughter, Kelly. Come on. I mean, that picture right there. Today, you look at it and like, oh, well, that cost people back then. That was sacrifice. That was carrying the cross. That was radical. That's even radical in some places today. It's just sad that, that the, the, the most seg segregated hour of the week is Sunday morning. And that's why as a church, we, we long since ago, not just because we have mixed grandchildren. That's that way before that. We came to Cape Coral with one of our missional pieces in our heart is we want to pastor a diverse church. We don't want to pastor a church that looks like us, acts like us, votes like us. That's boring. That's cultish. When you all agree with everything, that's no good. We want diversity. We came to Cape Coral for diversity. We came to Cape Coral so that the God, and you know how the enemy has fought that with us? The first time one of my former son-in-laws, who was African-American, rapped a worship song up here, somebody in the back section said, who let that up there to sing? I didn't hear it. We would have come to blows at that moment. He would have found another church so quick, he couldn't even, got, I, I would have, I, we didn't have security teams back then. I was the security team. So it would have not ended well. Their first job is to keep Jamie out of security. Don't give him a gun. Don't let him solve the security issue. I never knew who it was, didn't want to know who it was. I'd had to work through all those issues of, I hate people that hate people. None of you have been there, have you? That feels good at first, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I hate that. I'd hate that person. Oh, you're so you're just like them, and you're going to help them how? That's my ongoing, God's like, oh, really? You hate them? I love them. How could you love them, Lord? They're idiots. I loved you when you're an idiot. It's hard to argue with God. But Lord, look at their political views. They're just so scripted. I love them. I died for them. We're coming up on a season again. I'm going to tell you on our watch, it won't divide this church. On our watch, politics will not divide this church church. Therefore, if you're divisive, you're going to be in trouble. Because I do have a security team now. And so we, it, it just means we're going to steward our attitudes with a Christ-likeness that the kingdom of God is the first priority. And the kingdom of God is about unity, tearing down walls, about coming together, about learning to love people that are different than us. And I can't do that without the Holy Spirit. Neither can you. But when we can say, come Holy Spirit, let his kingdom come. 
You know, there's a little little kind of a rhyme thing that has helped me over the years because there are churches that are word churches. They preach the Bible. They're a word church, and I love that. I love the word. But if you have the word of God and you're not making room for the spirit of God, you're going to dry up and you're going to be mean. Bible knowledge without the heart being consumed with passion for Jesus by the spirit becomes hatefulness. It's, it's, I'll beat you to death with the Bible. I have beat people to death with the Bible before. And you can feel like it's the Holy Spirit. I beat the sheep this morning. No, you were called to feed the sheep, Jamie. Oh, I got that wrong. You can use the Bible and be right and be wrong. So I don't want to be a Word of God church without the Spirit of God. You'll dry up. But if you're a Spirit of God church without the Word of God, you'll blow up. You'll make it all about me. It's like my grandson, he's not in here, but it was fun. Gavin's birthday today. How old is he? Is he 19, 20, 19? So when he was a little punk kid, I'm sure you were with us. We were at a fair, and, and he got onto these fried Oreos. Have you had these? They're worse than crack cocaine. They just, he's already had two or three. He's, he's shaking. I, I want another one. And he's got powder all over his thing. And it was just like his eyes were back in his head. He's like, Grandpa, I need one more. I need one more. And I said, no, you can't have one more. <laughs> Seed didn't fall far from the tree. That's like Christians with the Holy Spirit that becomes about them. It's a party. It's me. It's make me feel good. Make me get, oh, I want another gift. I want another miracle. I want another this. I want, Grow up. Go feed the poor. Go do something for somebody else. John Wimber, when the Holy Spirit was moving in the vineyard at one stage, and we were feeling all of those feelings. People were falling out and this and that. It was all good. And John says, you know what? It's time to take it back to the streets. It's time to go love the lost. It's time to go care for the poor. Quit praying for you. Quit taking more for you. Go do something for somebody else. That was what it means by the Spirit of God without the Word of God. You're going to blow up. You're going to blow up into self-absorbed meism. Churches about me, about my goosebumps. One of my, one of our mentors that we've looked up to over the years, a phenomenal teacher, Dave Parker. He took a church, a vineyard in California that was one of those very inward Holy Spirit churches. Not the word, not evangelism, not the lost. And he decided, I'm going to make this church about reaching the lost with the gospel. I'm going to make this church about the kingdom of God, not just us having a warm, fuzzy experience. He said he changed all kinds. Of, they started serving donuts. That doesn't sound very radical, but back then, he had someone drive an hour and a half to get Krispy Kremes to bring them to church. They wanted the guests to feel welcome. They changed things in the service. They, they preached the word, but they, they, they disciplined some people, and they had some crazies that they said, no, you're not going to do that anymore. Anyway, he said, week after week, nothing, nothing, nothing happened. It was dry bones, barren. Then finally one Sunday, he said he, he couldn't explain it. It wasn't some great message. He just invited the Holy Spirit, and the power of God came. I forget, I think it was somewhere over, close to 100 people came to Christ in one Sunday. And as this is going on, this couple come up to him, as we've had far too many of these exit 
conversations on Sunday morning after service. You know, great time to tell the pastor, we don't like you anymore. We're going somewhere else. And so, but this couple comes up and they said, we're, we're leaving the vineyard. And they're like, why? Why? They said, we don't smell the roses anymore. Now, if you've been around the charismatic world long enough, there's all kinds of bells and whistles and smells. I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not saying you can't have a sense sometimes of the presence of God. But these people were addicted to it. Give me another Oreo. And they didn't see anybody that came to Jesus. He said if they'd have come to him the week before, he would have said, you know, I might leave with you. It was so boring. And it just God wasn't doing anything. They leave the church when Pentecost happens. In the end of Peter's sermon today, in Acts 2, 3,000 people come to Christ. It's not about the fiery tongues. It's about the kingdom coming, changing hearts, building the church, bringing them into the presence of God. That's the only way to keep from blowing up. I don't want to dry up. I don't want to blow up. Some of you, you don't need more Bible knowledge. You don't. You need to do something with it. I don't know what to do. I don't just do something for the kingdom. Show up and say, I want to do something. It's not just about the Holy Spirit wants to come. So if you've got the word of God and the spirit of God, you'll grow up. You'll mature. If you've got the word of God without the spirit, you'll dry up. Spirit without the word, you'll blow up. You get them together. And it's, it's a dance. It's not always easy in pastoring and leading and the kingdom and making it, you know, so because all of us make church about us if you leave us alone. It's my wants and my desires and my, my sermon tasting and worship tasting. And, and how did they, how well the eggs were a little this, this Sunday, you know, and it's just, they're not for you, by the way. You get that. Okay. So you can eat them, but they're not for you unless you're a guest. That's for guests that haven't been to church. And it's freaky coming to church. But if you've got a cup of coffee, some good bacon, scrambled eggs, I'm in if I'm lost. I'm feeling good. I don't know if these people might be weirdos, but they like eggs and bacon. They can't be all bad if you're eating bacon. Where's the tofu on the menu? Well, there's always that group to be reaching to. So I just say, and the Holy Spirit is moving in a church. He's going to fight these barriers from being built back up. And it's hard work. We live in a fractured culture, divided, divided, divided. And there are people on both sides living on the division, getting rich and powerful on the division. They don't want to solve the problems. They wouldn't have a job if they did. They just want to moan and groan and act like anyone to get on down that road. All I'm saying, help me in the days ahead. Don't do it in your strength, but say, Holy Spirit, this vineyard is a vineyard that wants to reach all people. And we don't want to erect barriers that would hinder people. Like the guy that showed up one Sunday, he had a Confederate flag on the front of his truck. And I put my arm around him. I said, buddy, you come to the vineyard here, don't you? Yes, I do. I said, you want to keep coming to the vineyard? He said, yes, I do. I said, then you take that off your front of your truck or don't come back. Well, that offends me. Get over it. It's not the kingdom of God. I had people telling me, that scares people. What didn't scare him? He actually was not a racist person. 
He just looked at it as a cool emblem. I said, that's offending people. We don't erect barriers in the church that people have to crawl through. It's hard enough to come in a church where they're all a different color than you are. Try that. Have any of you ever been? To, be the best thing in the world for some of you to do is just go visit an African-American church where you're the only white person in there. You act like you're going to slip in and blend in, not with that pasty white skin. <laughs> and you can't quite get the rhythm down. You ain't blending in. One of the best sermons I've ever preached was at a, a funeral of a, a man I knew, and they asked me to read Psalm 23. It was, I was the only white guy there. And it was uh, out of Martin Luther King and funeral home, and the casket was open. If you've never been to an African-American funeral, it's, a, it's an experience, let me just tell you. It's, I mean, you've got emotions on every level. It's unbelievable. So I got up. All my job was is to read Psalm 23, and I said, the Lord is my shepherd. And the whole congregation said, mm-hmm. My eyes rolled back in my head. I became a black man for 10 minutes. I preached the paint off the wall just reading the scripture. They're screaming. I had black women afterwards pinching my cheek. Are you a white man or a black man? I said, well, I'm, I, I like to be able to preach like a black man, but I'm a white man. You preach like one today. The Lord kind of gave an anointing for that moment for those people. So not a pasty white, boring white guy up there, but it was just the kingdom of God. All I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit fights for this stuff. And if you fight against it, you're going to fight against the Spirit. He loves the poor. He loves the broken. And that's why he, he chose. You know why he chose William Seymour? Poor broken, back street, because they said, you're welcome here, Lord. You know why he chose Chuck Smith and the hippies came? Because Chuck said, you're welcome here, Lord. They're welcome here. And I want to say to the Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Do something here that's unexplainable. Do something here that is a witness to the, to the kingdom of God. And his presence in our lives. Don't limit it to us, God. Give us beyond what we can do. Peter, let us be like Peter. He was, he was a coward. Now he's, he's a, he's a flamethrower for Jesus. He's still Peter. He still steps in it and impulsive. And he's Peter. And, and, but he's Peter now anointed. And the kingdom of God comes. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful he concludes this part. You could read the rest, and I just, I'm, I just want to read this last, uh, last section. He concludes after saying that uh, uh, I'll pour out my spirit, verse 18, on your maidservants. Those are the low, lowly people, the, the, the below poverty. These are servants. I'm going to visit them. And he says, verse 19, I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to do what happened at Pentecost until Jesus comes back. That's what he's putting the book in. Pentecost, coming back of Christ, in between. There's going to be moves of the Holy Spirit, outbreaks of the Holy Spirit. We don't wait on them to do the work of the kingdom. We welcome them to do the work. It makes it a lot easier when the Spirit's blowing. But my wife and I have labored many years when there was no spirit blowing. And that's difficult. And many pastors and, 
and have to go through dry seasons and tough seasons and fighting those issues and unity and, and, and fighting against the things that would rob us of what God's called us to be. And so Peter ends this part of the talk by saying in verse 21, here's the promise of Pentecost. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why? Because the people are sharing Jesus. People are calling people to the hope of Christ. It's the only prophecy that this world can hope for. I don't give a, a two cents to political prophecies. What I do give sense to is people that prophesy the word of God in a way that brings a harvest. It's a harvest that we need. It's the kingdom of God breaking in on our young people. It's the kingdom of God breaking into our schools. It's the kingdom of God breaking in. And I believe it. I believe it that God is going, when the enemy comes in like an Ian, God brings in his storm, his storm of the Holy Spirit his power, his anointing. And Peter ends with, they, they, and you can read this later, but he ends, the people go, what do we do? What do we do? Peter says, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's how the kingdom comes. What do you do? If you're in here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, then call on him. Your, your eternity's at stake here, your future there's nothing, I don't care what bumper sticker your parents had on the back of their car about you. If you don't have in your heart Jesus Christ, then you, I don't care what accomplishments you do in life. You've missed the whole point of living for Jesus, letting your heart be sold out for him. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for us and for our children and for those that are far from God. We beg God to visit our children. We beg God to visit our grandchildren. The only hope we have of competing and, com and being liberated from the lies of the world is the power of the Spirit. We can't wow a new generation. I know there are churches that are do the wow factor. We're going to wow the new generation back to Jesus. And, you know, I just say, no, I'm all for technology and whatever you want to do, but we want the kingdom to come. We want the power of the Holy Spirit to come, not to, not to weird people out. You know, and, and that's where some people's minds, if you give in to the Holy Spirit, you're going to become a weirdo. No. That there, there are people that are weirdos, and they don't need help from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> They're just weirdos. They can blame it on the Holy Spirit, but you're just a weirdo. And, and we tell people on a regular basis around here, don't, go, don't come in here and act like a weirdo. That just scares people. You're weird, and it scares people. Stop it. And some listen and some don't. And I can, you can go find a church where you're not a weirdo in that church. You'll feel like you'll, they'll think you're spiritual. But you're going to come in here and dance like the Grateful Dead and, and make weird, you know, you, we're just going to say, stop. That's not who we are. You're a weirdo. That's my ministry. To be a weirdo? No, to dance and, well, not here. You're not going to do it here. You say, Jamie, who are you? And I literally had one lady say, who are you to tell me what to do? I said, I'm a pastor. I'm in charge of the house. And we have house rules. And you're breaking them. You're scaring people. You're scaring people that I want to see come to Jesus. Now, when the real stuff happens, then it's unorchestrated. And, and whether it's crying, laughing, screaming, dancing, falling out, I say, let it happen, Jesus. I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit I just don't want weirdos to try to act like that's what it means to be spiritual. No, what it means to be spiritual is the loving people that are different than you. 
caring for people that are less fortunate than you, speaking the truth to people that it's difficult to tell them. That's what it means to be spirit-filled, showing kindness, showing humility, watching your words, watching your, your Facebook posts. Are they posts that are going to help people come to Jesus, or are you building back the walls that were torn down by the very Holy Spirit? You, you, you have to let the Holy Spirit guide you. I sat right here one Sunday, about three rows back, I said, man, we got to learn to speak in Spanish. And, and, and I tried to teach him a couple words, and the guy hollers back, we're in America, speak English. I said, you need to find another church. Because in this church, we honor people from different places. We love the people that have different languages, that look different, and we make room for that. Thank you. Well, that's, that's a hard message, Pastor. That doesn't go along with my... No, it's hard to walk with Jesus, and it's actually it's impossible, and we won't do it without the Holy Spirit. So all we're saying today is, come. this is a church that says, come Holy Spirit. We always want to be a church. He's in control. We say, come Holy Spirit. Let him do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. I don't get asked. I'd like to, I give, him, I give him ideas, suggestions. It doesn't work. And I get focused on God doing something in this way, and he's over here. It's like, you're going to miss this because you're trying to get me to do this because you think this is what I used to do, and if I don't do this, then I'm not really doing anything, but I'm over here doing this. You can't see this because you're focused on this. Focus on what you think I ought to, how, how it ought to look, how it ought to feel. I, I, I just, come Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Peter said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, whether you're online or here, if, if you've not settled where you stand with Christ. He's done all the work on the cross, but you have to trust him and receive him. Whisper a prayer right where you're seated. Just say, Jesus, come take over my life. Come be Lord of my life. Just invite him to forgive your sins. He's already paid for them. Jesus, I call on you to save me. Peter gave us the promise that whoever does that will be set free, will be saved. So if you're calling on him right now, he's hearing you. He's hearing you. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, for those of us that have done that, we want a time here in closing of just saying we want more of you, Holy Spirit. We want more of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come.